Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP, 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 133. Today's topic is the Green New Economy, Part 2. We'll be talking about the Green New Economy in just a few minutes, but first, here's what the Climate Report is all about. So we're dealing with a situation in which we have five separate and distinct threats to our very existence. Climate change is one of those five separate and distinct threats to our existence. The others include nuclear war, loss of biodiversity, loss of fresh, clean drinking water, and a completely and entirely unsustainable agribusiness-based food system. All of these five threats have one thing in common, and that is they are the creation of an economic system that is not the product of of democracy. It's the product of plutocracy. The economic system that we have and the political system that goes along with it is a system that is by and for the very few. We have a system of, by, and for the powerful. We've been told we have a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And we can have that, and we can get it back. But for now, we live in a complete, unfettered plutocracy. A number of people have known this for some time. This is basically, the powers that be like to operate in the dark. It wouldn't do any good as Samuel Huntington, a Harvard political science professor who was himself part of the establishment, said power operates in the dark. Power operates in secret. Because if the people knew what was going on behind the scenes, they would certainly rebel. But increasing numbers of people are getting clued into how the power system really works and how it's not for the people, it's not of the people, by the people, or for the people. And so we need to get to a place where we can peacefully and non-violently replace the power systems that we have. These are people who talk about a free market, but themselves do not obey the rules of anything remotely resembling a free market. They think the free market is for you and me, the middle class, the poor, even the upper middle class. But the free market is not for them because they feed at the government trough as a matter of course. They feed at the government trough on a daily, weekly, and yearly basis. They pass laws to make sure they feed at the government trough. It's a system of, by, and for the powerful. The problem is the powerful are not always the wisest people. They're just good at acquiring power. They're good at acquiring money. And it's the same thing because money is power in our system and power is money. And I'm not here to disparage the person who has worked hard all their lives, has accumulated something or has a successful business that makes a profit. But don't deny those same opportunities to those underneath you. If you support and applaud our system, which is not a free enterprise system, it is a monopoly enterprise system. If you support and applaud a monopoly enterprise system, then you are part of the problem, not part of the solution. I want you to be 
part of the solution, and that's what the Climate Report is all about. This program is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. The views expressed are those of the speaker and not the station. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. Also, go to theclimatereport.net for other episodes of this podcast. Go to theclimatereport.net to find my blog and also my videos. Last time, we were reading through the Green Party platform. And I'm a member of the Green Party, but I'm not here to recruit anybody into the Green Party. It just so happens that they have some really good literature, including the party platform. Now, the party platform is not what they call the Green New Deal. They have a Green New Deal, which was the original Green New Deal, and that dates to eight or ten years ago. It's a 15-page document, which I've covered thoroughly in previous episodes. Now we're talking about the party platform, which is about a, it's a 50,000-word document. It's about 75 pages. You can get it free online. But to me, this is the ultimate Green New Deal. There are other Green New Deals that are good. Different Green New Deals serve different purposes. Some of them are written to be law. Some of them are written to be a statement of philosophy. Some of them are written to provide data to support policymaking and legislative initiatives. The Green Party platform, to my knowledge, is the most comprehensive set of proposals all in one place that can be called a Green New Deal. Because the Green New Deal is not any one thing. It's more like a family of proposals with the intent of radically transforming our economic and political system for the better. So last time I was reading this section and it started this way. Our current economic system is gravely flawed. It is unjust and unsustainable because it is premised on endless economic growth and destruction of nature. Our market economy, by externalizing the environmental and social costs of greenhouse gas emissions, is creating the greatest market failure in history, climate change, and its devastating effects. So we are constantly told that we have a free market economy, we have a free market system, free enterprise system. That is the biggest bunch of hogwash. It is not a scientific, uh, it is not science, it is an ideology that is, is advanced by a class of intellectuals and it is advanced to promote the interests of the very wealthy. What the free market system says basically is leave business alone. The free market system, sometimes called neoliberalism, says business is the economic growth and it is the engine of economic growth and business operates best when you leave it alone. Well, that's just hogwash. When you leave business alone, business is free to pollute. When you leave business alone, business is free to ravage our natural resources. When you leave business alone, business is free to steal our natural resources. When you leave business alone, it's free to pollute the water, pollute the air, 
kill, kill off our pollinators. So I contend that business operates best when you keep it small and you establish rules of fair play. Without rules of fair play, you give the advantage to the worst players in the industry. You don't want to give the advantage to the worst players in the industry. You don't want the good people to be driven out of business by the bad people. Continuing to read in the Green Party platform, we aim to maximize our quality of life with a minimum of consumption. We aspire to less stuff but more happiness. We propose a shift away from materialism to help people live more meaningful lives as we save the planet from climate change and ever larger mountains of waste. We need to acquire the ability to distinguish between need and greed. So we have a system that profits the few, and what the few have learned how to do is to get us to hunger and thirst for things that we don't strictly need. The happiest people are those who spend their money on experiences, not those who spend their money on stuff. Also, the happiest people are those who feel like they have some control over their destiny. We have a business community, primarily big business, that has bought our government and that does everything it can to keep us in our place, to keep us distracted. All they want us to be is consumers. All they want is our money. And they want us to not, repeat not, be political actors. They do not want democracy. Big business does not want democracy. Because if you have power, why would you give it up? Therefore, this winner-take-all version of capitalism is completely and entirely incompatible with democracy. The proponents of free market economics, of course, want us to believe that their free market hogwash is consistent with democracy. They want us to think that the market is the way to freedom. But the market is something the unfettered, unregulated free market gives the most advantage to those who have the most money. And that's not what we want because that means everything is for sale. The free market did not give us a 40-hour work week. The free market did not give us a minimum wage. The free market did not give us public schools or public libraries. Continuing to read, we must also end the colossal waste of taxpayer funds for armaments and war to reduce our nation's federal debt and fund our environmental and social needs. So what the Green New Deal calls for is to shift our focus from wasteful spending on, the, on war, wasteful spending on the instruments of death and destruction, and to shift that focus and the spending, the financial resources, shift those financial resources to our social and environmental needs. Now, shifting resources to social and environmental needs is not what makes rich people rich. That's why they are opposed to it. 
it would be better for the 99.9%, but it's not what we're going to get as long as all the power goes to those who have all the money. Continuing to read, Greens intend to provide a green job to anyone who wants one. We support using the tax system to bring more equality to our nation. Rising income inequality makes us all poorer in myriad ways. More equal societies are happier, more equal societies are happier, healthier, safer, and greener. Greens support strong local economies and regional trade. So the first sentence of that paragraph says, Greens intend to provide a green job to anybody who wants one. What could some of those green jobs include? So here's a handy-dandy list that I made from episode number 105. And this is stuff that we need. These are jobs that we need done. And some people think only the profit motive should determine what jobs we create. But military jobs are not created out of a profit motive. Teaching jobs are not created out of a profit motive. There are lots of good jobs that we have that are not created out of a profit motive. We need more jobs to be created to pursue social needs and social goods instead of just private profit. We need organic farmers, forest rangers, specialists in native plant landscaping, we need labor organizers. We need mass transit engineers and technicians, solar engineers and technicians, wind power engineers and technicians. We need people to focus on water quality. We need people in wildlife management. We need people in home efficiency retrofitting. And the list goes on and on and on. Now, some people think that the private sector is the only one that provides good jobs, but they are hypocrites. Now, some of them are uninformed. Some are hypocrites because those same people will support spending a trillion dollars a year on the military. If you're so hot on the free market, if you're so hot on the private sector, if you think government can't do anything right, why do you give a trillion dollars a year to the military? This is no disrespect to the people who serve in the military. But as a system, we need to give people good jobs that are alternatives to the military. Continuing to read, the best model of economic security is for a community and region to be largely self-sufficient in the production of its necessities. Amen to that. So I live in Kentucky. Kentucky is one of the most fertile states in the Union. And yet we get our food from places that are far and wide. That's brought to you by the agribusiness system. And you know, when food has to travel long distances, it has to be bred for transport instead of taste and nutrition. So anyway, there's a lot to be said for local and regional self-sufficiency. Continuing to read, we support not the corporate control of free trade. Free trade is in quotes because free trade is not 
free trade. We support not the corporate control of free trade, which through the machinations of the World Trade Organization places the enrichment of multinational corporations above the level of national laws, but fair trade. We support fair trade, not free trade. Fair trade, which protects communities, labor, consumers, and the environment. Amen to that. So, you know, free trade is a fraud. Free trade has nothing to do with trade. It has nothing to do with economic efficiency. It has nothing to do with prosperity. Free trade is all about corporate control. Or these trade agreements under the World Trade Organization are all about corporate control, and it's all about enriching a very, very few people. The World Trade Organization empowers corporations, uh, corporate farmers, to drive small farmers out of business. It empowers corporate restaurant uh, entities to drive small local restaurants out of business. And it empowers these corporations to play one labor force off on another labor force. We don't need the NAFTA type of trade agreement. We need trade agreements that challenge other countries to higher standards, not lower standards. We need trade agreements that says, if you want to do business in the United States, you know, if an American company wants to go elsewhere to do business, fine. But you're going to pay, in, a, in another country, you're going to pay workers what they would make in the United States. Doing so would protect the environment and would create economic growth. In world history, the strongest economies have been the ones with a lot of protectionism. But that's a whole other conversation. Suffice it to say that the World Trade Organization and NAFTA is a big, fat fraud. Continuing to read. Local economic vibrancy and regional trade keep more money in the community and the region rather than going to distant corporate headquarters. Amen to that. What if all of a sudden all the fast food restaurants disappeared from your city? And what if, just a thought experiment, but what if for some reason not going to be any more fast food in your city? In fact, there's not going to be any restaurants except those that are locally owned. Does that mean there wouldn't be any restaurants? No, it only means there would only be locally owned restaurants. Would your community suffer? Or would your community be better off? It's just a thought experiment, but the idea is that localities need to have control over what businesses do and don't do business in their locality. We need to be able to draw a line at the county line and say, we have standards for who does business in our community. And we're going to base our zoning decisions on the health of our community, not on the needs and interests and wishes of those who are rich enough to buy our politicians. Continuing to read, this is the most sensible model for economic security. Greens will change the legal design of the corporation so that it does not maximize profits at the expense of the environment, human rights, public health, workers, or the communities in which it operates. In other words, these big corporations might 
just might have obligations to somebody other than their shareholders. Imagine that. If a corporation has an obligation to benefit the community and its customers and its workers and not just the shareholders, it will be a whole new world. Of course, the powers that be don't want you to hear this. The powers that be want you to think that our so-called free market system, also called neoliberalism, they want you to think that there is no alternative. They want you to think that this is the best of all possible worlds and there is no better system other than the one we have now. And the reason they want you to think that is because the system that we have now is the system that provides the profits for the people who run the show. But the system that provides profits for those who run the show is not the best system for the 99%. That's why we have an opportunity, indeed an obligation, to rethink everything. And it's not like we have much of a choice. We have five separate and distinct threats to our very existence. We have to rethink everything. But if we do that, we can end up with a whole new world. Because prior to now, we have not had the sense of urgency or the compulsion that we have now to make changes. Continuing to read, we believe the giant multinational corporation is the world's most potent force for environmental and societal destruction. Amen to that. There is no reason for us to tolerate a system that concentrates so much money and so much power into the hands of so few people. We Human beings invented the corporation, and we can uninvent the corporation, and we can reinvent the corporation. Continuing to read, unlike other political parties in the modern era, the Green Party views economics not as an end in itself, but as a service to the community development through the building and strengthening of community bonds that constitute the social fabric. So, that point is well taken. I would say it a little differently from that. They say economics is not an end in itself, and that point is well taken. But you have to understand the purpose of economics, the purpose of mainstream economics. The purpose of mainstream economics is not to provide data so that we can make decisions that benefit the 99%. The purpose of mainstream economics is to advance an ideology that benefits the very rich. On the last episode, we talked about GDP, gross domestic product. So we measure gross domestic product, which is the sum total of all transactions, the sum total of all income in an economy in a given year. It's not a bad thing to know, but we have organized our entire, all of our affairs. We've organized everything around the mandate that thou shalt grow, thou shalt have economic growth. 
So then economic growth is not just a curiosity. It is the be-all and the end-all. But the problem with economic growth is that GDP is one figure that applies to everybody and it says nothing about the well-being of people. It says nothing about health. It says nothing about the well-being of people. It says nothing really about the income of the bottom 50% of the people. If you want to know the income of the bottom 50% of the people, then you look at things like labor's share of earnings. So out of all of this gross domestic product, out of all of this income, how much of it goes to the people who do the work? Also, if you want to know how people are doing, you don't just look at unemployment. You look at things like, how much has the median income of the average person increased over the last 50 years? The median income has hardly increased at all. Meanwhile, profits have gone up and up and up and up. That's why I'm saying mainstream economics is not a science. It is an ideology. The best discussion of that or the best uh, the person that I would refer you to is Michael Hudson, who wrote a book called J is for Junk Economics. He's written several books, but J is for Junk Economics is an excellent book. Continuing to read, Greens are defenders of the commons, the vast trove of wealth owned by the people, the social and tangible assets we inherit from generations past. Most people living in this country yearn for a more vibrant and lively commons, such as a richer community life, more parks and protected wilderness, clean air and water, more silence, better access to information and knowledge, and a more nourishing culture. So, in my city of Louisville, Kentucky, the uh, the Metro government has experienced a shortfall and they're cutting costs however they can. And one of the things that's going to be cut is the libraries, the public libraries. Meanwhile, the biggest bookseller in the world, which is Amazon.com, has an owner who is the richest person in the world, over $150 billion. Now, it would be good for our society, and besides, Jeff Bezos does not pay his fair share of taxes, and Amazon does not pay its fair share of taxes. It would be good for the community to support public libraries and public schools instead of letting the entire market for books be dominated by one person while the 99% has an inadequate supply of books. Amazon should have to donate one book to a public library for every five that it sells, something like that, or at least just collect taxes from these people. But it's, it's whether we want to have a system that is structured by and for the privileged or by and for the vast majority. So I've got about another minute left. I'll leave you with something to think about. So I don't know about you, but I've been told my entire life that the free market is the way to abundance. And the reason I've been told that my entire life is because that's the philosophy that benefits the very wealthy. It's a philosophy that is taught in the media 
It is a philosophy that is taught in schools. And some of that is intentional, but some of it is just systemic. If you want to, if you want your organization to get money from big donors, then you can't say things that offend rich people. You can't say things that make rich people think that you might want to change the system to make them pay more. Also, we've been sold this lie if that, that if we're just nice enough to rich people, then maybe some of the benefits will trickle back down to us. Meanwhile, we have forfeited the commons. The rich people get free use of public assets, and we don't charge them for it. We don't charge the broadcasting companies for using the airwaves. We don't charge the internet companies for using the internet, which was developed at public expense. We don't charge these companies nearly enough when they pollute. All that needs to change, and when we do change it, we will be creating a whole new world. That's all for now. Thank you for joining me.